Welcome to another episode of This is Hot Boga. Uh, before we get started, we'd like to thank a few companies for making this podcast possible. First up is Sturka Optics. We've been using their glass for a long time and love the quality and the, the amazing warranty that they provide. If you want to learn more about Sturka Optics, go to sturkastrong.com. So next up is Hill People Gear. Uh, we've had them on as a guest before, and we've talked to some of the, the owners there, and they're a great bunch of guys. And Jimmy, you're actually, we're both running the Decker packs, yeah. and we can literally put anything we want yeah, into, into these packs. I mean, we, we go out with our, our ground blinds, our tree saddles, and everything else we might need, so we got out there. and Daughters. Daughters. daughters we'll throw a few kids in there, and we love it. They haul weight well, they're durable, American-made, and uh, an amazing company. Check them out at hillpeoplegear.com. We're avid outdoorsmen and conservationists, and it's important to us to work with brands that are both high-end and care about the world in which we live. Enter United by Blue. For those of you who don't know, United by Blue is an outdoor gear and apparel company that is dialed in on ocean and waterway conservation. We run a lot of their clothes just on the street. Jared went on a hot date with one and his wife the other day and uh, wore a few uh, United by Blue pieces. Really impressed her. Good quality product, good quality clothing. And for every purchase that you make, they remove a pound of trash out of the local waterways around you. And it gets better. When you uh, go to make a purchase, enter Hot Boga at checkout to get a uh, nifty little discount. Check them out at unitedbyblue.com. New Breed Archery. We love New Breed Archery. Uh, I've been shooting their bows for a while. A while is in a year? A while is in a year. It feels like longer. It does feel like longer. We're getting some new bows put together right now. Custom dipped. Jared, what are you going to be shooting this year? I'm going to be shooting the ETX 35. All right. And I'm going to be shooting the RK1 because I'm a true... uh, True traddy? True true trad hunter. And mine's going to be in some uh, really special custom colors, which I'm excited to announce, but I won't announce yet. Stay tuned. Head on over to New Breed. Look at their options. You might just fall in love. Before we get to the episode, I have one last announcement, and this is for our Michigan listeners. Our friends at Long Range Archery and Firearms are hosting their yearly open house this August 17 from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. This is the fifth year they've been doing this, and this will be the biggest, baddest, and best open house they've had yet. There will be prize drawings and giveaways, food, drink, and factory reps. Oh, and yes, of course, deals store-wide. We'll see you August 17 at 2530 Venomin Drive in Holland, Michigan from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's going to be an awesome time. We're really excited about it. Hey, Brandon, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for taking the time to hop on today. Can you hear us all right? Yeah, how about, uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, there's a little little bit of an echo, but I can hear you pretty well. Yeah, I'm kind of in a concrete, closed-off room. So, Are you in the office right now, or are you, you off for the day? I'm, in, I'm still at the office. Okay, what do you got? You have a lot left to do. Are we holding you up for the rest of the night? or? No, I guess, guess you guys are the closer out of the day. Excellent. You know what? I've always been told I'm a bit of a closer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for joining us. You know, we've talked with you guys for a bit, and uh, we just I think we just did a, a video of BattleBox Yeah, today. I just sent them over to Oxford Road people. So I, was, I wasn't sure if that had made it over to you yet, but we had a, a fun little unboxing with our other podcast host, Jared. Right. Yeah, I haven't uh, haven't seen that yet. So sure. I'll get that over to you. Yeah, we'll we'll yeah. make sure you do. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Before we go, you know, too much further, let's let's start with who you are. Tell us about who you are and what what you do. Well, I'm kind of the resident redneck here at Battle Box, basically. Not a bad job. <laughs> well, how'd you have, yeah. how'd you get the job of resident redneck? <laughs> well, to, to start with, 
going back who I am, I guess, yeah. helped define how I started with that. So I, I grew up in a once was small town in central North Carolina and grew up hunting and fishing and being in the outdoors and stuff like that. My, I was lucky enough for my, my dad to had, had been into that kind of thing and, yeah. and, and taught me the rope, so to speak. And I kind of took it from there and ran with it, which uh, I, I'm, I feel blessed to, to have been able to do that, you know, looking at, you know, how things are today with youth. Not, not very many are in the outdoors like, like I was when I was younger. Anyway, I went along with that, just hunting, fishing, being in the outdoors was, was kind of my thing. I was never the kind that would go to parties and, you know, live in that environment. You know, yeah. If it, there was a party going on, it was a bunch of my friends at the river catching catfish. That's and, not a bad party to have. Yeah, so I uh, grew up, you know, got went to school. I was a chiller mechanic, so I worked on industrial size air conditioning equipment. Basically, okay. what that is, if, if you don't know, basically, I made cold water for a living, which nice. <laughs> that's needed. And uh, continued to hunt and fish while I was doing that. I kind of caught the bug of picking up a camera and documenting kind of my time in the woods and time spending with friends and stuff. and. Um, it kind of was sparked by a DVD collection that was put out by a couple guys. I believe they were either Mississippi or Louisiana. I can't remember, but they were called TK and Mike. I don't know if you ever heard of them. Well, I'm not familiar with those guys. I take that back. This was before DVD. It started out on VHS tapes. So I'm dating myself. Wow. <laughs> there might be a lot of our listeners not might not know what that is. That's a big plastic square thing. Sometimes you had to wind with your gonna, fingers. Yeah, you had to manually uh, rewind. Yeah. yeah, yeah or they yeah, charge yeah. you at the uh, movie place. Yeah, if you don't rewind it and you return the movie, they that's would a charge, you, charge. That's a two dollar yeah. charge. Yeah, they going Yeah, it was. It was. You're gonna have a bag. back back in the day. Back in the day. So, but anyway, they were more like a uh, comedy thing. So they did like hunting skits. When I started watching those, I was like, man, that's. That's kind of like me. My friends kind of do the same stuff. So I was like, well, you know, I'm going to get a camera and we're going to do this. Uh, fast forward a little bit. I started doing that with just cheap, you know, Walmart type cameras and things to get used to it. And it just started right. into getting better gear and getting more into it. And I had a little YouTube channel at the time when YouTube okay. first started, which is that channel's dead and gone now. But I was putting very little edited content on Yeah. I was getting actually pretty decent at it and I got a phone call one day from Billy Parker calling Catfish Parker he's Hank Parker's I think it's his middle son he's got okay. three sons so he's got Hank Jr. Billy I can't even remember the name of the other one he wasn't in the outdoor industry so anyway Catfish Parker called me yep. up and said hey man I seen some of your footage I was wondering if you'd like to try running a camera for us for a TV show and I was like yeah you know <laughs> why not you know so that got me started as being a freelance videographer okay. in the outdoor industry. So I did a lot of filming for Hank Parker 3D. I worked a lot with those guys. And then I did a few, few other things with other, basically word of mouth got around. And a lot of the hunting shows you see on the Outdoor Channel, Pursuit Channel, Sports yep. Channel and all are filmed by freelance videographers. Okay. It, it just works out better that way for, for yeah. me in the hunting industry unless you're in the top 5%, unless you're in Michael Waddell's or Lee and Tiffany's and stuff like that. I mean, budgets are really tight. So they hire freelancers. That's kind of how like the whole video thing came about. 
getting really good at it. And were you, did you start by self filming or were you filming other people too? You know, when you first started, was it like you bring a tripod out and uh, film yourself or how did that work? Yeah, it was pretty much self stuff. Me and some, me and a buddy, you know, we go fishing, we film, we go hunting and we would film it. Try to do it like we saw on TV, but we kind of threw like, comedy into it like goofing off and weren't serious. having fun not too not so serious not so serious if we if we caught something or shot something or whatever great you know yeah. but it wasn't like we weren't being serious as i was doing that i was of course meeting other freelance videographers and i started meeting some that actually lived not too far from me mm-hmm. one day a guy come up to me he's like hey man why don't we do our own tv show and i was like yeah you know why not so we started kind of researching it how we started doing our own television show on in the southeast region so it was like the southeastern six seven states so like carolinas but it was georgia in there yeah georgia florida carolina virginia tennessee alabama louisiana mississippi okay sure that's a good that's a good spread it was all on so basically the southeast region and uh, it was called Passing It On Outdoors. We ended up doing, I'm not doing it anymore. They're, they still are. I think they're okay. going six or seven season now. So it wow. turned out pretty good. You know? Yeah, yeah. We, we did all our own editing. We did, we did everything, marketing, editing, shooting, Yeah. the, the whole nine. And man, let me tell you, anybody, <laughs> anybody out there listening that want, wants to be on a hunting TV show, just be ready to put the work in. It's doable. A lot of work. We, just we doing all anything do like it. this is, it yeah. takes a lot of messing around. Even yeah, a podcast. You can relate to that a bit. <laughs> it, takes a, <laughs> it takes a lot of work and promotion and preparation and a lot of intentionality. And yeah. editing. And uh, <laughs> emphasis on all the editing. <laughs> Time and money. And you're not really going to make money. The TV industry, the outdoor TV industry is a little weird. It's a little different than watching something on History Channel or what. Right you actually have to pay for your airtime and right. you do that by selling ads. So basically so-and-so network and you want to get on that network and you say, okay, well, a 23 minute spot is X amount of dollars and we're going to give you eight commercial spots. And that's how you raise that X amount of dollars to, to be able to pay for that TV show to be aired. And if there's any left over, well, that's your profit. Well, right. typically there's not any left over. <laughs> right. So tough business. So then that sort of kind of became a job. So I'm, I'm pulling a, you know, sometimes 70, 80 hour a week. Right. And I'm editing TV shows at night and I'm spending vacation time doing hunts and film and, and things like that. And it just got to where the fun kind of got sucked out of it. Yeah. I mean, that's, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, now, just going back, uh, you, you mentioned you're doing YouTube and the, the passing it on. What's the difference? If you were to start it again, would you, would you go the, the TV route? Would you do a more of a YouTube uh, approach like a lot of guys are? Or, you know, say you're trying to get your, your film out there. How would you yeah. go about doing that? If I, was to, if I was to do it all over again, I would probably go the streaming route. Like there's a few streaming services out there that are hunting related. Okay. Uh, so kind of like apps or channels, you know, just because this is where a lot of people are going now. I mean, we're seeing it every day, you know. Yeah. Netflix, YouTube TV, and Hulu, and all those sorts of services. You watch what you want to watch when you want to watch it. Now. Right, right. I, that's what I would, I would probably focus on that more. And I, to be quite honest, I think that's what Passing On Outdoors is doing this year. Like we, we were on the uh, Pursuit Channel a few years, and I think they brought them back and decided to go the streaming route because it's exhausting when you're when you're spending 
150, $200,000 to have a TV show and you don't have but like $1,500 at the end of the day to show for it. Right, right, right. right. Not a huge margin there. Very, very difficult. The people that stay in the outdoor television industry for many, many, many years, they're tough people. Yeah, they've been grinding it out. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of work. The the filming, you know, I, you mentioned you kind of got into it. You started with the Walmart cameras and you got better. What, how were you learning when you were doing this? Is this, were you looking online? Did you find like a class or how did that go? To start out with, I was working online, but of course your, your lesser style cameras had less manual adjustment, mm-hmm. right? So um, when I started out, I was filming on tape, mini DV tapes, then it transitioned into digital media and all but the way i learned i looked around on youtube obviously but mostly man i'm just getting out there and learning what not to do i learned by by doing not necessarily by sitting and watching or, or whatever i'm a hands-on kind of learner right um so i just got out there and, and figured out okay well that didn't work or that didn't turn out good or that audio sucked you know or, yeah. <laughs> or whatever, and, and figured out how to adjust it but i did find a guy um, that was close to me. He had a very thriving videography business. He did a lot of weddings, and commercial, yep. real estate stuff, and all. He was a hunter. I actually met him at a hunting club. I paid him a little bit of money to kind of show me the ropes on how to really run a professional camera. He took me to the studio. He showed me basics on how to edit, basics on proper how to properly set up a camera for whatever situations you're in, uh, basic audio editing and things like that, and just. Yep patted me on the back and said, hey, man, you know, get out there and do it. And that's what I did. I, I really had a drive to be the best at what I'm doing. You know? Right. And well, it worked out good. You needed some coaching for that and practice and self-study, and it all goes into to becoming that. Yeah, because it's you, you can have a $100,000 know, loan on video equipment, have the best video equipment out there. And if you don't know how to use it properly, it's still going to look like a whole movie. Right, right. And on the other hand, a guy who actually knows what he's doing and maybe just has a cell phone can now class you pretty easily. Yeah, there's yeah. some guys that Absolutely. are pretty good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Heck, even some of the stuff I'm doing now for BattleBox, I'm shooting on my iPhone. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we do quite a bit of, I mean, most of it's like Instagram TV and stuff, but yeah, we've been doing more of that lately. It's, it's the quality you can yeah. get off a of camera now. Because yeah. uh, at the end oh, of the day, when I film, it's going to look homemade either way. So uh, <laughs> just go with yeah. the iPhone then. I fell in love with, with running a camera and you know, yeah. trying to make it look cool. And it kind of morphed into once the TV thing kind of started, you know, I got to where I was comfortable in front of the camera as well, which takes some time. Some people can do it. Some people can. It know? does. Yeah. That's a strange thing to get used to. It is. And, and, and you know, now it doesn't bother me at all. Like, I mean, clearly I, I, I shoot a lot of video and I'm, I'm plastered all over everything. It has yeah. to be out of box now. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. But you, you, you get used to it. You can kind of let yourself, you know, when you're comfortable, that's that's when things come out the best, right? right. Luckily, I've, I've been able to adapt to that and, and enjoy it and all. Just getting back to the question, too, if I, if I was to do it again, what yeah. the difference between is, is when you're when you're doing stuff for like a network, you're kind of tied, your hands are tied in a lot. Yeah, to what they want. Right. You got to push, you know, your sponsors um, because you know, they're paying the bill, right? Right. Get scrutinized. You might say something. They're like, oh, you know, you can't say that or whatever. Or, you know, it's just your hands are tied. And, and when you're trying to be creative on something, sometimes that really sucks the fun out of being creative. It's, right. Somebody's got their thumb on you the whole time, too. 
but it was a great experience, man. The, the thing that I can take away from it that I truly enjoyed about it is number one, I met a lot of really cool people that were into what I was into, the outdoors and videography. And I got to see a lot of the country that otherwise I wouldn't have been able to see, yeah. you know, because I, I can't afford to go on all these hunts, you know what I mean? Right. Being able to go with national well-known TV shows like you know, Hank Parker and his sons, um, which, hey, dude, I used to watch Hank Parker when I was a kid. Right, right. Back in the mornings, you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm filming this guy. This is freaking awesome. Yeah, that's <laughs> like a dream. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's probably one of the most genuine people I've ever met in my entire life. Like he's, oh, cool. What you see on TV, that's that's Hank Parker. It's not a not a front. It's not a put on. He's he's a great guy, and uh, I, I can sit back one day when I'm old and I'll say, you know, I got to do that. It was pretty pretty freaking cool. You know? Yeah, yeah, so, we've had similar experiences. I, just getting able to talk to people in the hunting industry, it's it's yeah, funny. You get like a captive audience for an hour, and it's just you learn a lot about the person uh, and who they really are. Actually, honestly, I got to say, so far, people that have been on have been great. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I've had a bad, like, oh, that guy kind of sucked. A lot of passionate (laughs) hunters. Right. I thought there would be more of that, honestly. (laughs) More egos or or whatever, um, but they're just, it's a a great industry. Most people want to, yeah, just want to talk hunting. Yeah. And I mean, there's a few out there that are like that. The hunting industry as a whole is actually a pretty small, tight-knit group. It is. Everybody really knows everybody. No, nobody's going to pull any wolves over anybody's eyes, and it's not going to get out there. People are really held to be, you know, keep honest and do the right thing. And this isn't the place to uh, to be screwing around. You know? No, what I mean? so, no. People remember. No one forgets. It's a very you know, long memory. Yeah, I mean, as a cameraman, if you and, and we had a guy one time that he, you know, he uh, really thought highly of himself, and he. He did what he wanted, and he showed up when he wanted, and stuff like that. And I don't think I ever heard him get another filming gig since. You know what yeah. I mean? Like immediately, everybody else knows. Hey, don't don't worry about hiring this guy because this happened. He's gonna, yeah, you're gonna regret it. Yeah. So burning bridges is is very easily done. Well, it, yeah, it seems like the hunt, just hunting in general, is just such a humbling experience. A lot of the yeah. time, there's so much failure involved that it's it's hard to. Oh, have man. that inflated ego all the time because you're just yeah, you're grinding it out, man. I, I can't <laughs> tell you how many hours I have sat in a tree stand or sat on the ground. <laughs> I mean, how many hours of just why am I doing this? <laughs> right, <laughs> so <laughs> bored. Yeah, those are freezing for that five, 10, 15 seconds of, of it actually going down. You know what I mean? I mean, I spent nine days in Illinois hunting from dark to dark. Nine solid days, cold, wet, rainy, hot, didn't matter. Yep. For a three minute moment of excitement. But was it a good was it a good three minute moment though? Oh yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't take it back to nothing. Good. Yeah, there you go. I mean it's worth it. And that makes it better. I mean it's sure. the same thing even when you're not filming. As a hunter, uh, I, I'm sitting in my office now, I got I got deer heads all around me and I can I can tell you a two hour story about every one of them. Before we move on, I wanted to take a minute to thank one of our show sponsors, Pelican Coolers. These coolers are extremely tough and backed by a lifetime warranty. But what I like most about our coolers is that as tough as they are, they can be opened with the push of a button. So it'll keep the bears out, but you won't have any trouble getting in. And it gets even better. Right now, if you type in pelicancoolers.com slash hotboga, you'll get a free tumbler with the purchase of any cooler and 
We all use the uh, 32 ounce tumbler and it does an amazing job at keeping hot drinks hot for a very long time and cold drinks cold for a very long time. I'm going to do something maybe a bit unusual or something that I haven't done yet, but I'm going to throw out a James D. Guarantee, which is something I don't just toss around willy-nilly. I'm going to James D. Guarantee that if you buy one of these coolers, you'll have the best cooler experience you've ever had, and you'll be changed as a person for the better. Your life will be totally different from here on out. So don't take my word for it. Go check them out for yourself, pelicancoolers.com slash hotboga. And now, back to our show. Yep, that's the best part. Well, and then, you know, like we, we were saying, I mean, just this one of the best part of the podcast is to we get to hear a bunch of deer stories, <laughs> which, you know, we were going to be talking about anyways. Let's just uh, uh, exactly. Yeah. And we Let's run out it. of I know all your stories. Right. You know all my stories. So it's uh, time to bring in some new, uh, you know, <laughs> material. Right. I got a pretty good story if you want to hear it. Absolutely. Let's, let's do it. All right. So, so this, this was in Illinois five years ago. I had filmed in Illinois. Now, this is my chance to hunt. So okay. Yeah. I had recently had shoulder surgery, so I, sh- I couldn't shoot my bow, so I had to use a crossbow. Yep. Like the first, I'm trying to be right, and I, and I might mess this up, but I want to say the first six days was bow season. I think it was yep. the second bow season I did it during the rut. And then the last three days of my hunt, yeah, so six days was bow, three days was gun or shotgun. So anyway, hunted hard. See, the problem with hunting in Illinois, so me being from North Carolina, you know, you see a deer that's out through his ears. You know, he's typically 17, maybe 18 inches. So, you know, I'm in Illinois. I'm in the land of the Giants. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to, like, wait on a good deer. I want want to shoot a really good deer. Yeah. So everything I'm seeing is just inside their ears. But unbeknownst to me thinking about it, because I'm I'm overthinking everything, a whitetail in Illinois is physically – Way bigger. A bigger deer. Yep. White. So <laughs> just inside his ears a little bit, he's still an 18, 19 year buck, right? Yeah, right. But I'm looking for the giant. You know? so, <laughs> so I'm bow hunting, and I really didn't get an opportunity. I saw one short enough beast. I mean, he, he was well in the 180s, just never got close enough for you know, bow range. So the last day of bow, I shot, I shot a really nice doe. The next day was the first day I shot a muzzleloader. So I went back, got in the stand, and I said to myself, well, first day, if I get a shot at a really good doe, I'm going to go ahead and fill that tag, and I'm, I'm monster hunting the rest of the time. Sure, yeah. So, shot a good doe that first morning, and now, now I'm in buck hunting mode. So there was an area on the lease that I had been wanting to hunt for the whole week, but the wind has been wrong for it. Uh, you haven't been there all week. The wind's been wrong the entire week. Been been wrong the entire week for that side of the farm. So it's a fresh spot. Fresh spot. Yep. I hunted there Friday afternoon. Saw a saw a buck way off, and I could see his antlers. And I was like, man, that's that's a good deer. Right. You just never close the distance. I mean, way off. I'm talking about eight nine hundred yards off. Okay, well, that's a bit of a poke. Yeah, for a yeah. shotgun. <laughs> The next morning, the wind was right again. And when I left that evening before, there was a lot of fresh scrapes along the edge of that field that I was hunting. And because, you know, in Illinois, if there's trees, yep. it's because there's a ditch right there and they can't cut it down and put crops, right? So yeah, I'm exactly. Hunting, I'm hunting yeah, this finger and, and there's just scrapes everywhere up and down the side. Right I'm coming back, coming back. So I slipped out of there, went back the next morning. Sitting there, sun comes up, 
a dude way off in the distance across the field. I'm like, yes, this is, this is going to be good. It was like the perfect morning, man. I mean, just just a perfect one. So it wasn't very much longer. A doe came out to my right about 120 yards, and she's crossing the field in front of me. And she gets to this fence line. The fence line, which was about 100 yards to my left, was the property line. She gets to the fence. She turns around. She looks behind her. And I was like, oh, no. So I'm looking, and I'm telling you, man, this buck stepped out. <laughs> and I immediately knew I'm going to shoot this deer. Yeah, there's the one. I know that feeling. Yeah. Yep. And for years of hunting, that's what everybody told me. Says, yeah, because you always sit there. Is he big enough? Should I take him? Is he old enough? How deep does his belly swell? How, you know, is he a mature right. buck? Right. You, you constantly. I did it anyway. I constantly would ask myself that when I've got something in my sights. Well, everybody always told me that when the one steps out, you're going to know it. That's what happened. That joker stepped out, and dude, it looked like a, a dang black Angus cow. <laughs> Is this an elk or a deer? Yeah, it's fat rolling over its eyes. Humongous yeah, humongous body, huge, you know, very thick, you know, rack. But I was trying not to pay attention to that. You know, so yeah, right. Anyway, he comes out. I range him. He's at 150 yards now. This shotgun that I had, I had sold some some other things at home. So I could afford this Browning, it was mm-hmm. Browning A-Bolt 12-gauge shotgun. I had it sent to us. I do long-range competition shooting. I sent it to my buddy that sets up my rifles for me, and I had him do the works on this shotgun. So I could shoot very, very well out to 250 yards from the shotgun. Wow, okay. Yep. Poke. Yeah. Very well. I mean, it was it was amazing how well the shotgun was so I'm like he's dead. I got him. And, you know, he's you know he's 150 yards. Yeah. So he stops and I squeeze the trigger on him and he just flinches and he looks behind me. <laughs> and I realize I just missed that deer. And I've always prided myself of being a really good shot with a firearm. Right. Sure. I, I be 100 percent honest with you. This is the first deer I've straight up missed like that. Okay. Yeah. I've had good. bad shots, but I hit him. This guy, I, I flat out missed him. And I was shooting with one of those Nikon BDC reticle scopes. Yeah, sure. Yep. So I had a cheat sheet taped on the side of my spot. Ah, yeah. So when I would range it, I could just glance at it and figure out, okay, what power or what reticle I need to use. Well, when I went to eject that first shot, my nerves were so tore up that I short stroked going back in and I eject my second shell, my good shell. Okay. Oh. And when I look down and this, and all this is on camera now. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if I can figure out where it is, it's on the internet, so people can watch it and know this is it's hilarious. But anyway, <laughs> in my disbelief of the second shell flying out, I shook out my third and final shell. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm being your own clip. Oh, man, it's bad. My buddy's filming me, best friend in the world. And he and I look up at him and I say, I'm empty. I've shut every shell I got out of my shot. <laughs> and I look up there and that buck is still standing there. And that boat is still standing at the fence line. So mm-hmm. now I'm reaching. I got a hunter safety system on. I'm reaching in my pockets to find a shell. I can't right. find Something, it. hopefully a spare. I, I, I can't find it. I'm, I'm tore out. Of, I'm, I'm tore out of the frame, man. I mean, I, I, I'm <laughs> beside myself. So That's a bad feeling. I end up finding a shell. Put it in, got down, buck still standing there. I range him again. I'm calming myself down. 
Yeah. Get back on, check my cheat sheet, my cheat sheet again. I put it right, just right in his shoulder, squeeze the trigger. I miss him again. Oh. <laughs> and now he's walking to the dough. He's not, he's not running. He's, he's taking his time. And I, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, so I eject that and I'm back in my pockets. Couldn't find a shell. I reached in my backpack and strapped on the tree on another shell. By now, the does jumped the fence and he's standing at the fence and he's kind of hunkering his back down like he's fixing to jump his fence. So at that point, I was like, screw it. He can't be more than 100 yards. I must be doing something wrong. So I just put my crosshairs on. I said, the heck with the, the circle of reticles. Right, right. I put it on his shoulder and I, and I hit him. And uh, he jumps into the fence, gets hung into the fence a little bit. He backs up and he jumps the fence and he, he just kind of goes off into the ravine back behind me where I can't see. I'm thinking I didn't get a good hit, right? Because yeah, all right. other stuff has been going on. I'm tore out. You, know, never, you don't know where your, your bullets are even going at that point. Yeah. At 250 yards with a shotgun. I, I have never had a rush, an adrenaline rush, and <laughs> freaked out like that before in my life. I mean, I, I can't even describe it. So we let a couple hours go by. Shortly after I shot that deer, my buddy on the other end of the farm, he killed like a 150-some-inch eight-point. Giant eight-point. And uh, so he's calling me. He's like, I got a buck down, you know. I said, well, I, I shot one. Get yours if you know where he is because mine jumped the property line. We got to call the property owner and so, yep. you know, go over and get him. So ended up getting up with the property owner. He said, yeah, go ahead. He was actually on the other side of the fence, on the other side of the field. He watched the whole thing go down. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, he said, yeah, he's, he's down. I saw him go down. He's, he's close to you. So anyway, we ended up getting him. He's the biggest buck ever killed. He's a 14-point. You said Illinois, right? Yeah, Illinois. It was, Scott, it was Scott County, Illinois. Which part of Illinois is that? I'm not familiar That's with. That's kind of southwestern side of Illinois. It's not very far from is it St. Louis. It's on the, it's on the south, southwest side of Illinois. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know where that is. I think – so I, I spent some time I'm, – I'm checking here. I went to the Jim Edgar Panther Creek State Fish and Wildlife Area. So I, I hunted there. Yeah, I think that's on the west side too. It's beautiful country, man. It, if I could ever, if I ever get a chance to go back to Illinois and hunt whitetails, I mean, I'm, I'm there. The story gets a little bit better. So okay. we got the deer at the camp. I'm cleaning the deer out. We got it strung up, cleaning it out. And uh, my buddy's helping me. He cuts his finger on something, cleaning this deer. He's like, what the heck? You know, so we go to checking it out. And we dug out a brawl head that was lodged in his buck's shoulder. And at that time... My buddy's eyes lit up. He said, wait a minute. My buddy that was in this lease two years ago shot a giant, and we never found him. Really? So we cleaned the broadhead up. He called his buddy. He said, hey, man. He said, what kind of broadhead was you shooting when you shot that big buck a couple of years ago? He said, well, it was a three-blade, red, three-blade, muzzy broadhead. Yeah. I shot those red three-blade three yeah. MX3s, I think. Mm -hmm. they're Yeah, that's what it was. And – he, he took a picture of it and sent it to him. He said, holy crap. He said, that's, he, he killed that deer that I shot. So that deer had been disappeared for two years when he came back. And I actually shot him in the same stand that he shot him. Wow. So, so he hit shoulder, did you say? Was it lodged like in the bone? Very right in the bone. Very that's right in the bone. Shoulder hits are the worst. So he's got 14 points, but his tines aren't very tall. But he's, he's got like 58 inches of mass. Sheesh, sheesh. 
Like it's just, it looks like leg bones coming out of his head. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Like a big old femur thick. coming out of yeah. there. Yeah, you can't, when they say like a beer can, beer can basis, yep. that's this beer. I mean, yep. and, he's, and he's palmated all the way out. I mean, he's. he's wow, he, you're going to have to send us a picture of this thing. Yeah, I'll do it. Man. So when, when he shot that beer, he had like 14 inch time. So he was well over 200 inches. Wow. He shot him. So he, How old was it? Uh, taxidermy said he was eight and a half years old. That is, yep. So he's on his decline at that point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What a so old, when, when old deer years. suffer a, a major injury and they live through it, typically they they grow a lot of mass. They don't grow a lot of length. And this is a perfect you know specimen of that. He's 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 still got width and he's right. got main beam length, but his, his times are short and stubborn. And he's real unique. You know that's that's oh, yeah. some of the best. Is when you get those like real unique. I think, he had, uh, yep. I think the taxidermist said he had a 34 inch neck. Holy cow. I, I, I have a 34 inch neck. It's yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> That's a, a Brian Erlacher neck right there. Yeah. <laughs> makes all my other deer on my wall look small just from the body size. Yeah, sure. I got a full velvet deer that I killed in South Carolina a couple years ago. It looks like a yearling next. Oh yeah, those but there's you know those South Carolina South deer, especially in the early season, they're they're a lot skinnier, you know. Oh yeah. yeah. Although I will say a dream of mine is to do a velvet hunt. I want to shoot a deer in velvet. That is. I know a place for you to go, buddy. South South Carolina <laughs> is the place. Yeah, Low Country, South Carolina. So it's the earliest rifle season in in America. Okay. The so rifle August fifteenth. August 15 wow. is rifle. That's coming up <laughs> soon. Four days after my birthday. Yeah, that's a good birthday. That would be a there, great right? something for you to keep in mind. Hey. Yeah, so your odds of getting a, getting a velvet book are, are pretty pretty good. You know, I mean, we, we've gone for years. It, I went down there. It took me probably – I killed a smaller one. Um, he's probably 120, maybe at the most 123-inch seven-pointer. That was my first velvet book. I killed it in South Carolina as well, and then I killed this one. He's a nine point. He's got a. He's non-typical. He's got some funky drop times and stuff on. Oh, that's sweet. But he's full velvet. It's beautiful. The prettiest. The prettiest book I got on the wall by far. They're real, real, real pretty down there. Oh yeah. yeah. Just hot and like you literally hunt with a t-shirt and in your underwear. Yeah. <laughs> I do that all year round. <laughs> like it's natural camo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As long as it's yeah. merino, obviously. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> so that, I mean, that's an incredible story. Uh, that deer, I'm assuming, is that hanging by you? Are you looking at him right now? Yeah, I've looked at him the whole time I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> a little inspiration. Well, like, kind of like you look at your bride when you're getting married, you know, yeah. like gazing at it. 100%. You, you, you worked in the hunting industry for a long time, got into film, and, and now you're at BattleBox. So, so yeah. how did you go from one to the other? What was, what kind of brought about that? that the filming and the TV you know, the, hunt, the hunting TV side of things, man, it's, it, it, like I said, it kind of became a job. It wasn't that much fun to me anymore. And so I kind of decided, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. I'm going to get back to having fun with the camera. So I was still doing the television stuff with passing it on, but I was kind of just doing the YouTube thing as, as just a release. You know, just a, be myself. I'm not tied to anything. I, I can just have a good time, get back and enjoying running the camera. So I started a YouTube channel and I was doing like, I was doing a lot of gun builds at the time. I was building my own AR-15s and oh, cool. yeah. competitions and stuff like that. So I was kind of really heavy in gun culture at that time. 
So I just started, you know, making videos, just doing whatever, like little vlogs and just, just trying to have fun. And I saw an ad, though it was an Instagram post, BattleBox was just starting. It was like yep. late February of 2015, I believe it was. And it was a picture of some cool night, and I was in the knives too. There was some cool knives and some like camping gear or something. Yep. And I was like, man, that's pretty cool. I might, I might get that and, and, and do some unboxing videos. Right. So that's what I did. I, I, I subscribed. So when it comes to BattleBox, I've been on both ends of the spectrum. I was, I was the you know, customer the, and the customer, and and now I work for them. So what ended up happening was I started doing those YouTube videos. And I was really having fun doing it. I started getting views. I started getting views. And, and just over the course of 20-some months-ish, I think 21 months of doing it, I kind of inadvertently became the face of BattleBox. Like, right. Just keep doing them and they, yeah. Yeah. I was like the first guy to do a BattleBox video. If somebody was searching BattleBox on YouTube, my videos were popping up. And it just morphed into that and, and then they started putting my videos on their website so i was getting traffic through their website to my right. videos and, and they invited me to a blade show i want to say it was a 2017 blade show maybe okay. 16 i'm thinking 17 blade show they were like yeah man, we want you to come we'll, we'll pay for everything get your hotel room and all and that's when i first met um the guys at BattleBox. and okay we hit it off, man. I mean, just great guys. They loved what I was doing. I, I obviously loved what they were doing. And after 21 months, they they called me up and offered me a job. I was like, wow, you know, you know, this is this is an opportunity. And, and I really thought long, hard about it, prayed about it, and asked the wife to do the same. And, and it worked out. And I moved to Georgia, and, and here we are, man. Just just cruising right along. And, and you guys have grown quite a bit. It looks like. Yeah. Yeah, we have. We um, we're trying to um, you know, uh, we we were the first ones, or I say we, they were the first ones to to have a a men centric subscription box. Sure. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, like I, I was gonna say, I didn't haven't heard of many even still. Yeah, and I mean we've got we've got there's several out there competitors out there now, but but we were the first ones to kind of break that break that mold of. Right sample goods and you know more like arts and crafts and and female oriented type subscription boxes you know that yeah. box was the first to kind of bridge the gap in that space so so we thrive we try to stay at the top right um yeah and and we've done that we won the uh, best men's subscription box from the second time this year so there's kind of a, the subscription box industry the industry out there they have a you know, like an awards thing every sure, year. Yep. Yep. And, and so we won that and we won a best marketing campaign this year. Well, some of your earlier videos were pretty hilarious of like uh, you getting a battle box versus your, like your wife or whatever, getting one. And yeah. you know, like she's got like lipstick or something and you know, <laughs> like a hatchet or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. Before we go further, I want to make sure, you know, everybody that listens knows what battle box is. You want to explain, you know, what, how it works and, and what goes into it. So BattleBox is a monthly survival and adventure box, we like to say. We were, in the beginnings, a survival and tactical box, but due to some of the, I guess you would say, censorship of uh, social media for yeah. things tactical, 
sure. it kind of really hit us in the pocketbook as far as being able to advertise and post and to, to drive our business through marketing. So kind of made an adjustment this last year to more adventure. You still have opportunities of getting that kind of stuff in the box, which is not written on the box. Anymore. Right, right. <laughs> but anyway, so survival, adventure gear, you know, everything from disaster preparedness to, to yep. food procurement to water purification all the way up to cool to cool gear cool knives and, and things like that so foreign um, object removal removal yeah tools. We, we were laughing yeah. we, you uh, the, the box we got was arranged from coffee bars to uh digging bullets out well it's nice yeah. we, we were talking <laughs> because, uh, as as kids we'd shoot each other with bb guns and we <laughs> You know, oh, yeah. out with a, one of those things would well, be kind of handy. We have a buddy too that, to this day, will set off a metal detector in it in an uh, airport because yeah. he has yeah. a BB lodge pretty deep into his. He's got a couple of them. Yeah, <laughs> you can you can see it. Seen. I have I have a, I have a good uh, childhood friend too that still has one lodged in the webbing between two of his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the worst. <laughs> that out i i don't apparently or not pop it like a zit or something yeah yeah i mean you can see it's i don't know why he hasn't gotten out i don't i don't I, have no clue. I, I think part of it was when we were younger and it happened he didn't want his parents to find out <laughs> yeah that's usually how it goes. mom is gonna be not happy about that i'm gonna yeah. get some leaves yeah yeah <laughs> cover it up what's that oh i don't know it's no big deal you know? it's yeah. like oh. brian brian regan it's like you when you're out with your friends and your friend really gets hurt and you need to go it's like his arms hanging you know and it's like, hey, mom, uh, you know, when next time you go to the store, get some peanut butter and jelly. Oh, no, by the way, you remember Timmy's arm and yeah. how it used to bend this way? It's well, it's not, bending this way now. It's not yeah. So you're trying to always like hide it and cushion it between two mm-hmm. good things, you know. It's like a, like a South Park episode. You know, Kenny gets killed every episode. You know? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So BattleBox, when you guys started, what what was kind of the, the idea behind it? What what was the, the reason for, for starting a company? Well, it kind of started, the, the founder and CEO, Daniel, was his wife was getting, I want to say it was Birchbox. So she was getting a subscription service, and they were in their living room one day, and she got it. She was all excited. She was going through it and everything, and he was sitting there. And Daniel's a thinker. Like, Daniel's a, he's a really smart guy. He's, he's always thinking about the next big thing, right? Yeah, so, teaming some stuff up, yeah. Plan. So he's watching her, her excitement, the whole package going on, and he's like, well, where the heck is, I want a box, you know, I, yeah. I want a I men's box. So he started looking around, and there wasn't any out there. That was like, I mean, there was like underwear subscriptions and, and crap like Dollar that. Shave Club too, right? Yeah, but he wanted like, you know, a knife or, you know, fishing gear or survival stuff. And he looked around and there wasn't anything out there. In less than 24 hours after him realizing that, he launched, he built BattleBox. Like literally, he called up a couple of his buddies, yep. did business with them. And within that week, he had the website built, he had the wow. branding done, he had everything done and he launched BattleBox. So he's not a guy to wait around or he's, there's not, doesn't seem like there's a lot of hesitation to take action guy. Yeah, he don't he don't sleep. That son of a gun is <laughs> wide open all the time. Yeah, it's a good yeah. good business partner to have. Yeah, for right, sure. right. And, and it seems like there's a, there's a kind of a heavy military emphasis and focus. Are, are a lot of the guys there uh, military guys? Not a lot. We've got a few, uh, and and I guess that's kind of uh, we get asked that a lot because we kind of have the look. I guess sure. you say. Yeah. So me myself, I grew up around a lot of. 
people in the military and stuff and in, in shooting competitions I'm shooting. So I was kind of in the space, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And, uh, and I kind of always had that look anyway, I guess. But, <laughs> Big but there's a, yeah, it's, it's... Um, like Steve, who's in customer service, he was in law enforcement. Um, we got some guys at the warehouse that where we ship out it, where all this stuff comes in, we ship it all out that, that were um, in the military. But uh, us as like the, the upper management of Battle Box, we're not we're not military, but we we're in the community. We've we've probably spent I can't remember the number, but it was se- it's several million dollars that we've spent so far with veteran-owned businesses. Sure, okay. wow. And also, so we really support the military. We support uh, law enforcement, the whole nine yards. And yep. we, we, yeah, and that's kind of our demographic. You know what I mean? So. The tactical guys. Like to give back to those guys. Any any time we we get an opportunity for a product that is veteran owned and operated and or made in the USA, the whole the whole gamut. You know, we try to really yeah. go after that as much as possible. And we're in a similar spot. The other podcast host is not here today, but uh, Jared's a military guy, and we've worked with a number of them. And uh, man, it's it's fun to hear him talk about hunting. Is it's almost therapeutic for him. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and when I was doing a lot of stuff in the hunting industry, we were really active with a lot of organizations that took veterans out. Sure. Like that. So I, I've been able to to go on, especially some turkey hunts with some really, really good warriors, man. People just yeah. really put a lot on the line for, for our country and for our freedoms and everything. It's a real blessing to be able to, to do that for them. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. So, so, the, the the one thing that always comes to my mind with these subscription boxes is like sourcing, sourcing all the, the stuff. How do you go out, you know, curating, you know, the best type of material or material, best type of product. Yeah. And then how do you go about even just getting it from them? That's, that's part of the nightmare. Yeah, um, I can believe it. It's a tough business, man. To start with, the e-commerce business is a 24-7 business. I mean, it's, yep, it's absolutely. constant. That's partly why, you know, you put in a lot of hours, especially down. We plan out months in advance because of that. Number one, trying to get to the people to make decisions with these companies is part of the hard part. Right. So we have uh, we have a lady Mickey um, here that that works hand in hand with Daniel. So a lot of us we're always kind of searching for cool stuff, and then we see something, and we'll put it in front of Daniel. Of course, when he sees it, he'll figure it all out. And we try to make contacts and then we kind of merge that over to Mickey to kind of help facilitate the rest of it. But it's it's a challenge. A lot of people really, the subscription box industry is just a marketing avenue for a lot of businesses, right? So instead of of them selling a product to a retailer and it's sitting on the shelf in hopes that somebody's going to see it, pick it up and carry it to the cash register. Right. We're putting products in people's homes. We're putting it in the consumer's hands immediately. Huge marketing opportunity for, for, for these businesses. That is, is you know, one of the driving forces you know, behind it. Um, the companies that see it like that understand that sometimes it takes a lot of conversation to kind of get, that, get to that point because it's, it's tough, man, because we buy in volume, so we're able to kind of pass on you know, savings to our customers. And then, you know, if a business puts in, oftentimes they'll put in coupon codes and, and things like that to kind of drive that traffic back to them to, to use that, you know, to kind of help, you know, drive their business. So, but it's tough, man. So we have to plan many months in advance. Sure. Try to forecast, you know, how, 
because I mean, we don't want to buy too much stuff. Right. Then, then we got a bunch of stuff sitting around, right? So yeah. we got a forecast, you know, we got to, we got to find the product, we got to forecast, we got to get our numbers right, you know, because we've got employees, we got to pay, we got people that are relying on us. Yeah. Um, so that they can feed their families and also, I mean, there's got to be some sort of profit, profit margin there for a sustained business. Right, absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a huge ball of wax. So it, it really boils down to time. So mission 53 is fixing to ship out. We've been planning that mission many months in advance. So that's kind of how that, because it's impossible to do it month to month. Just, right. You know, they're, they're not going to be able to get you products in a month. It's just yep. not going to happen. Yeah. Some companies have even had to stop production on a certain items so they can ramp up production. Sure. Another, you know, so. Yeah, that was a cool thing. Of, uh, yeah, I, I just the exposure you get to all these different companies that, you know, other, otherwise you'd have to be going on Google for yeah. an hour or two looking for, you know, comparing all these things. That The cool part is you, you get something you might not have ever heard or seen before and you're like, oh, it, yeah, I, mean, I never thought of that. Well, <laughs> yeah. so with you guys, we also do one with uh, like backcountry fuel box. Sure. Uh, I mean, there's a, tons of stuff in there that's awesome that you wouldn't have known about or tried before. Uh, do you, are, are you picking specific things based on like your favorite thing out there or, or how are you choosing and like curating the, the stuff that goes in? Well, a lot of stuff, we actually have a lot of businesses that just send us stuff. I mean, sure. it's, it's like going, we're almost like a UPS shipping hub. Right, <laughs> right. You're just cycling it through. Just bring in all these boxes. We have no clue what's in there, so we, get, right. we find cool stuff that way. But but yeah, I mean, it's stuff we 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 try our best not to duplicate a lot of things. I mean, we've right. been in this for fifty three months. There are you know, there's of course there's several different types of fire starters. There's several different types of water purifiers and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, we try to space it out, switch it up. But really, man, it's like we see something that's cool, or we go to like the blade show and we see like. This, this new knife design that's out or whatever that we think is cool and that we think the customers are going to enjoy. And, and you know, those are the things that we, we really go after, you know, stuff that we think fits the mold, you know. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, Daniel and I, are, are we're gear junkies, man. I yeah, mean, absolutely. Yep. We get fascinated on how things work or how things are designed or what it could be used for. And even, you know, like you said earlier, talking about like the little energy bars or energy strips and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Some people may not be all that excited about something like that, but everything that goes into a battle box serves a purpose of some sort. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you get something and you're like, it it may not, may not give you a wow factor, but at the end of the day, when you sit down and you you start thinking about, okay, how can I implement in my EDC or how can I implement into into a bug out bag or get one bag or a bag? Everything has got a purpose and it can be used somewhere. And one day you might need it and you're going to have it. Yeah. yeah, very practical stuff to have when you're, when you're out there. When you're at BattleBox, uh, what's the most challenging part of it? And then what's, you know, on the other end of things, what's the most rewarding uh, part of it? Other than getting to test other a bunch than, yeah, of cool getting stuff. To play with like the coolest <laughs> gear. Yeah, the coolest thing is testing stuff. Probably the most frustrating, most difficult thing that we have to deal with is if we're – we get a delay from the supplier because we have a shipping window every month that you know, we expect to meet. So like, let's just say in the ninth hour, they call you and say, Hey, um, we weren't, we're not able to get this to you till the 10th. That's, that's a big deal. Cause that's, that delays everybody. Um, so mitigating those hiccups that happen. And that's the other thing. 
a lot of that, a lot of times things like that happen. People, customers have no clue that's happening because people, you know, behind the scenes are really working to make it. Right. Yeah. Right. So that, that's probably one of the biggest frustrations is when we have a shipping issue because those things are out of our hands. It's, it's, it's not our, it's, it's not of our own doing, um, but to the customer. Yeah. They, right. They don't know. Right. So, so we take the blame, not the, not the people that's supposed to be getting it to us. We take the blame because it's right. late or something. You know? yeah. So that's probably one of the most frustrating things and one of the most difficult things is, is putting out those kind of fires. Yeah. And, and we've done very, very, very good at doing that. We've had very little issues that have been passed on to the customer. We yeah, pretty good with, with taking care of those, those issues internally and keeping a good customer experience because that's what matters at the end of the day. We want our customers to have, have a good experience and be long-term customers. And, and we've got, man, we've got people that have been customers since the first box, man. Mm. I mean, yep. we've got a lot of really loyal customers. And that, you know, that makes us feel, feel like we're doing the right thing, you know. When it feels like, yeah, you, you hit on this earlier. It's it's like you're recreating Christmas morning, but for full-grown men. Yeah, <laughs> manly Christmas every month. Like, yeah, what, every what's month. in the box? Yeah, you right. Visited every month I know, by I Mr. Battlebox. I don't know what's going to be in it, but I know it's going to be cool. Yeah, running down the cool. stairs with your big jammies on, you know. Yeah. And, and, it's, and, and, that, and that's what we hear all the time. Like, like at Blade Show, I can't tell you how many people come up to me and they're like, man, I, I, I look forward to the you know first – couple weeks of the month because I know my battle box is coming and my wife picks on them because I'm like a little kid. And <laughs> and I'm like, that, that's the point, you know, and see a lot of people look at it as, as a value perspective, you know, so, okay, I got almost $400 worth of gear and I only had $150. In. Right. That's great. Right. But it's to me, and it always has been this way. It's the experience. For yeah. Me. It's fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's fun getting stuff. It's fun not knowing what it is. It's fun getting a new gadget or a new knife that you never knew existed, or a new way to do something that you never knew existed. You're like, this is freaking cool. Why didn't I think of this? I need more of this. I want, I want to go out and use this now. Yeah, and, and that's the whole thing. Kind of our goal is to get people out, get outdoors, go outside, use this thing. Don't let it just sit up in the corner of your bedroom. Go out and use it learn a new skill, get your kids outside, let them use this stuff, teach your kids how to start a fire with just a you know, flint and steel. I want to say, we got this battle box, right? Got it here. Tons of cool stuff in it. Where did it go? Yeah, Why do I, I not have it? I didn't get a single thing from you know, it. Jared <laughs> it, and uh, we haven't seen There's any of the trail camera in there, and these <laughs> cool knives. And I was like, cool, maybe I'll get some of it. You know, it'd be cool. Uh, it pretty quick. And I'm not yeah. kidding. It's like gone, disappeared, yeah. vanished. Yeah, it's like, it's like M&M's in a jar, man. <laughs> yeah, Jared's got it, isn't he? He's stashing it. It's like me with my kids, man. Like My wife she usually goes to the grocery store on Fridays. Right. And she usually gets a, a box of Oreos, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I love some Oreos, right? Yep. It never fails by noon on Saturday. There's not an Oreo in the house because my kids got to it. Yeah. Right yep. I'm like, I got to wait a whole other week to maybe get one Oreo. Yeah. Like, what's up with that? You know? <laughs> Here's a, a pro tip that I've discovered. I have either found foods that I, I've developed taste for that no one else likes. So I get them all or 
I just put hot sauce on it and no one mm. else eats it. No, no matter what it is, I just drip a little hot sauce on there. Yeah. And, uh, you oh, get flavor and no one else touches your stuff. If you just yeah. put three drops in the Oreo bag and then just shook yeah, it up, there you go. You're, no one else is going to be eating those. They're all yours. It's a, I might have to try. <laughs> well, hey, Brandon, thanks again so much for, for coming on. I had, a pre, had a great time talking to you, learning about your background and BattleBox. But before we end, you want to tell people where they can find more information about you and, and, um, and where they can find uh, you know, maybe their own BattleBox. Yeah, um, of course, you can find us on social media um, under BattleBox, B-A-T-T-L-B-O-X. And we drop the E because it looks cool. <laughs> So B-A-T-T-L-B-O-X, that's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the whole nine. Uh, I myself on social media is current 1776, C-R-R-I-N-1776, because that's my favorite year. Yeah, that's Uh, not a bad year. It was a historically good year. (laughs) It was. (laughs) You can find us at BattleBox.com, which is B-A-T-T-L-B-O-X.com. So on the website. You can see on there, you can go to the What's in the Box tab. You can see all the past missions, all the past products that was in the missions, the breakdowns of each level. And uh, you can see the videos on there. So every month we put an unboxing video. Yep. Yeah, we're, we're all over all that, man. We'd love to have you. Um, come check us out. And also, we do monthly giveaways on our Facebook page for members. So if you are a member, you're automatically entered into that. We can give it away. Cool. We gave away a survival trailer with a buoy tent on top of it. Oh, cool. Very expensive, nice, expensive gear. We have a members-only page as well on Facebook that's closed for just subscribers. So it's a great community for for the subscribers to yep. trade gear, talk about things, share pictures of them out in their outdoor adventures. With their that's keep- cool. Not uh, censoring anybody for their tactical gear on that site. Yeah, you you can show all the tactical gear you want. (laughs) That's right. um, But yeah, it's it's just a great it's a great community, and and that's one thing that's cool about BattleBots as well is is our our subscriber base is kind of like a big community, so everybody gets on there and has a good time. Beautiful. Yeah, and you know, we're I'm excited. You just threw a a trail camera in this this last one, and, and we needed one more. And yeah. it's pretty perfect. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if you can have too many no, trail cams. I always feel like I say that Never. we need one more, but I think <laughs> if I had a hundred, I'd be like, you know, if I had just one more, yeah, just there's one, one tree that's camera. not covered in camera. I um, want to know every step. That that's right. <laughs> I want to track them. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, well, Brandon, thank you so much. Um, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Everybody, thanks again for taking a listen to this episode. Head on over to our Instagram page to stay up to date on everything that we're doing. If you're feeling squirrely, go smash that subscribe button on wherever you're listening to this podcast. We and, appreciate it. And tell your friends that we are Hot Boga. Hot Boga Hunting. Hot Boga Hunting.